0: Welcome to the Radical Lifestyle podcast brought to you by Generation to Generation, where you'll be inspired by the past, equipped for the present and prepared for the future as we engage in conversations with people from around the world. If you've been inspired by the guests that we've had on the podcast, please like, subscribe, comment, hit notification bells, whatever you can do on the platforms that you're listening on so that more people have the opportunity of hearing these and engaging in our community. Hello everyone, this is Andrew and Daphne from Generation to Generation and our guest today is Vip Vipperman. Vip, for people that don't know who you are, can you just say a bit about where you're from and what you do?
1: Yeah, so great to be here, thanks for the opportunity. Uh live here in Dallas, Texas in the United States of America, um, you know, married with uh, for about 19 years with three kiddos um, and I work, you know, uh, I've spent many years kind of working in the we'll say redemptive entrepreneurship or another faith-driven kind of entrepreneurship and investment space. Uh, I specifically work for a venture capital fund uh, that invests in early stage technology, uh, typically with uh, faith-based founders.
0: Mm. And then if people listen to this, they say, I want to find out more, uh, where can they do that?
1: Uh, Yeah. Uh, To find out a little bit more about our organization, uh, it's, www.eagleventurefund.com um, uh, or eaglecityfund.com, uh, the types of places. But uh, you know, I also referenced uh, praxislabs.org you know, and faithdrivenentrepreneur.org, uh, just great organizations that we've been kind of worked with or, or you know spent some time with over the years. Um, and I'll get to share more, I'm sure, over the next little while.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And do you have what's the Lions then?
1: Yeah, uh, so about, I'll give you a little history. About 10 years ago, uh, some business owners uh, and investors uh, had been, you know, giving and and taking mission trips for years. And one of the guys tells the story, he was, you know, in Haiti, I believe, you know, doing a, a mission project, like painting a house, something like that. And he said, you know, there were a lot of people kind of standing around him, watching him. And they were, you know, he was doing something that they, you know, kind of said was serving the community locally, but he said, you know, what, what a lot of people around me, they didn't really care if I painted that building or not. They really wanted to know uh, if I could get them a job, get them some, some money, something where they could earn a living uh, to take care of their families. And he went back home. He started thinking about it he was like, man, you know, I've got all these business skills, uh, you know, um, you know, entrepreneurial training, uh, investment experience. And most of, the, most of the opportunities for me in the church or on mission trips are, are just to, to either give money uh, or to take and just, you know, knock on doors or, or do kind of like a, a restoration project. It was like, man, wouldn't it be amazing if I could use my skill set uh, in business uh, for impact overseas? And so they said, well, you know, the Shark Tank TV show has become very popular in America. I think they have the Dragon's Layer, another one like that in, in Europe that's become very popular as well. And they said, you know, what if we hosted something like that for Christian entrepreneurs you know, gave them a chance to get some funding for their companies, you know, invested some of our own capital. You know, we have the potential to get it back, but we can also see the impact that they can make on the world and we can mentor and coach them to use some of our business experience. So um, they started the event. I had the invitation and opportunity to go about two years in. And was just blown away. Um, I had spent some years on the mission field and gotten to see kind of traditional missions and church planning. And, you know, though it had a lot of impact, we're starting to see places already in the world where people were getting kicked out of countries um, or not being allowed in because they didn't have a good, you know, visa reason to be there. Um, And so seeing the work that they were doing, seeing some of the real businesses that were created and started in these companies, you know, these countries, they were employing local people who needed jobs and, Know, helping their families and you know, serving them as well. Um, it was just an amazing you know, scenario. And so had the chance to bring that back to DFW um, about seven years ago uh, in partnership with a few other folks like Ed Pierce and Wade Myers and, and others. Um, and just sort of thrilled to, to get a chance to see you know, companies every year, you know, nine or 10 companies stand on stage, kind of share their business model, uh, share the opportunity for investment, um, and having you know people in the audience consider actually putting money into the project, uh, not as a donation, but as a true investment uh, with the potential of a return, um, and you know the hope of impact beyond just creating a business, but by you know support, employing, uh, sorry, employing, empowering, sharing the gospel with you know families and 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 people across the world. So we've had companies from from China, from Africa, uh, from. Europe, you know, from, from, you know, we've had anything from movies to cutting edge, you know, virtual reality technology, um, and kind of anything in between, um, you know, the coffee bean company from that provides coffee beans at Chick-fil-A to one of the largest, um, software businesses in the country that has clients like Google and, and Facebook and and those kind of things as well. Um, you know, it's, it's been pretty amazing to see how God works, um, And, you know, impact from, you know, people coming to faith, like I said, jobs, being people being employed, you know, women coming out of trafficking and having roles that they could go into and um, those types of things. So, and that's found at either www.thelionsden.us or www.thelionsdendfw.org. Yeah, in England.
0: Oh, sorry, go on.
1: No, no. Yeah.
0: In England, it's called the Dragon's Den.
1: Yeah, that's um, what it is. Okay, yeah. it was pretty
0: close. Yeah, yeah. That yeah. was the original. Yeah. And then yeah. it went over to the US. Yep, um, you guys got it. Man, yeah, a lot it's a great things. show. Yeah,
2: about the, most, the things thing. yeah it. most things we <laughs> started. Yeah, most things <laughs> we started. <laughs> right? And then America
0: go and do their own. Thing. <laughs> Just
2: thought I'd that in. I had a
1: friend of mine to come visit. One of the companies that pitched at this year's Lions Den was from the UK. It's a Christian dating app that became very popular. The guy had a passion not only for kind of re establishing what dating should be and not just like a swipe and a hookup kind of a thing. He really wanted to help Christian people build long-term relationships and kind of had a passion for taking them to, from dating to actual marriage and, and then some, but he came over and he brought us cookies from Mason and I got to say Rutledge Mason. And, um, it's a, a, a place there in Europe. That's a, like a, um, a goodies company. I don't know. They have snacks and cakes and biscuits and those kind of things. But he brought us the the gift and a tin. Um and the company it said on the tin like um that it was like from the 1700s. And we were just the kids were blown away that it was like our uh came it came from a store that was older than our country. Right. <laughs> like well, I mean not that well, our country's existence per se, like the land was here, mind you, yeah. but our country as as it is today, you know that there was a a store out of you know London that was older. I just thought that was kind of they just thought that was mind blowing, right? Fortnum
2: um, and Mason.
1: There it is. Yes, and such good cookies. I mean, the kids had a ball with them. So um, you're starting to make me hungry at this point. Um, <laughs> there you go. So
0: you mentioned earlier that you had some experience out on the mission field um can you just take us back a bit and tell us some of your background how did you get involved uh, with the mission field
1: yeah yeah you know um my wife laughs at me um when I tell this story because I I typically go far enough back to say when I was a little kid like elementary middle school I was always about double the size of the other kids in my grade today you can't see because of zoom but I'm like 6'3 probably 230 um but so pretty decent size American you know guy um But when I was a kid, I just, you know, was a lot chubbier, was a lot bigger than a lot of the other kids and uh, ended up by the time I hit middle school, braces, glasses, acne and about 50 pounds overweight. Um, And so I got bullied a lot. Um, It was just one of those kind of things. Um, And so ended up putting me on the fringe, right? Not having a whole lot of friends, kind of struggling a lot as a kid. Um, And, uh, you know, ended up having a guy in late middle school who'd been radically saved out of like a drug, you know, induced kind of world. Um, He'd been radically saved, decided to be a youth minister, came into the church we just started going to and ended up spending some time with me. And he said, man, it doesn't matter what all these kids are saying about you. It doesn't even matter what you think about yourself, you know, because at that time, my whole, you know, mental, you know, situation was not awesome because i had been hearing that from, you know, bullying from the kids for years. But, you know, the, the point he made after was like, there is a God in heaven who loves you, who sent His son to die for you. Um, and if you believe in him, like you can receive forgiveness for your sins and you can have a brand new life, uh, life eternal. Yes, but, but a better life now. Um, and so, you know, I made that decision to follow Christ. And when he redeemed me, he gave me a heart for the, the downtrodden, the one left on the outside to bring them in, right? To con- so one of the things I've done or just had a passion for over the years is, you know, convening groups of people or just helping, especially younger people, to you know, come together and feel like part of something, especially something God is doing. So, you know, when I was in uh, late high school, college, I started doing youth ministry internships. When I was in college, I was doing like college ministry trips and mission trips overseas. First to you know, uh, uh, upstate New York and, and to Taiwan for a summer to Mexico for mission trips and ended up having a chance to go over to Taiwan one summer and do a sports ministry program. And I got a chance to see like God's work in the, among the nations and just, you know, so many kids who'd never even heard the gospel before who are growing up completely without the knowledge of it. Um, and so I got invited at the end of that summer to come back after I graduated Um, And so went back, lived for three years and did college student ministry across the island of Taiwan. Um, So visiting with the colleges, we'd go in and kind of start like uh, church planning or small groups, you know, kinds of things on the campuses. Um, And then um, met my wife there, Um, got a chance to uh, come back and go to seminary in the U.S. um, for about two years. And then we went back overseas this time to East Asia. uh, to like northeast China up near kind of North Korean area of the country, not in North Korea, but up kind of that part of the world. Um, So one of the largest steel factories in the country was up there. And so, you know, just got a chance to do church planning work, get to know what God was doing among the house church and the underground church there, and just kind of try to support them as much as we could from sometimes, you know, learning was, you know, learning the language, doing trainings, bringing in, you know, uh, Chinese speaking seminary professors from the U S or, know, even in taking them on mission trips to to different parts of the country to reach the minority peoples, Um, and we thought we were going to be there as kind of that Lottie Moon. I don't know if you're familiar with that story, but that Lottie Moon kind of you know picture. You go to China with a a box, you know, full of your stuff, and you come back in it um, was kind of the 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 picture that we had at the time. Um, But about six years in, you know, God's not God's plan changed. God's just journey for us, you know, changed. which surprised us significantly and so we ended up you know coming back to the states in 2012 and kind of starting down a different path towards you know business and entrepreneurship. Wow.
2: That is quite a journey in <laughs> five minutes. <laughs> yeah, <it was laughs> I <could've, laughs> yeah, I could have pressed pause at any one of those stages <laughs> and gone. Tell us more about this. Tell us more about that. <coughs> but we have not well, that sort of time. So you then take to, uh, made a big jump and said you came back and you had an interest in business, etc. So can you give us a five-minute whirl on how that how that part
1: unfolded? <laughs> yeah. Well, it's funny. When I was living in China, you know, after, you know, three, four years there and two kids, you know, the government's kind of wondering, what are you, what are you doing here? Um, right. And so we ended up starting I partner with a, a Christian businessman in the U.S. And we'd started a consulting company in China uh, just to do some business conferences and different kinds of things. Um, you guys are in the conference space. So, you you know, you kind of get the idea of bringing you know 50, 100 people together. Teaching them a little bit about business, and then trying to find opportunities for the gospel to go forth as well. So we were able to do that for a year or two. Not necessarily because I knew anything about business, because at the time I didn't. But I had these business guys in the U.S. that would kind of parachute in and teach the content, um, and then they would go back to the states, and I would just kind of keep the the business ongoing. Um, so that's my first, in, you know, introduction. And then when I got back to the states. Uh, after doing a couple of years of kind of working in a mission organization, training people to go overseas, uh, one of the donors who is a wealthy real estate broker invited me to come work for his company and said, hey, you know, a lot of this money is coming out of China into the U.S. real estate markets. We could continue to do ministry with the Chinese people, um, but kind of do it on our side of the, you know, the ocean and stuff like that as they come here. Um, so he said, I'll teach you about business, but, you know, they really needed the Chinese skills that I had, um, in engaging with those folks. And so a couple other like Christian business guys came together. One guy gave me some suits. Another guy gave me a car. Um, I ended up, you know, kind of going from not knowing anything about business and not really being prepared for it to being suited up and, you know, with the vehicle and kind of ready to host, you know, clients as they would come in. It was really just God's generosity, honestly. Um, And his generosity in letting us go to China and and the experience we had in in getting to know the the underground church folks there and, and seeing that. And then also coming back and just his incredible provision. I think I've been given two cars, you know, in my career and stuff like that, just, you know, from people just with a heart for the work that we were doing or something like that, not even asking them, just them going, hey, I've got this vehicle. You should, you know, come pick it up kind of a thing. Um, and it's just, you know, overwhelmingly uh, a few times he's, he's done things like that. So, you know, did the real estate work for about five or so years um, and got a chance to see some neat things happen where we went from you know, single family rental properties, which you've probably seen the Chinese come into London and buy houses and rent them and stuff like that to master plan communities um, to eventually like a couple hundred million dollar apartment complexes where their money was going into building those in the U.S., um, and then we you know, obviously tried to do ministry as we build relationships with those folks. Um, eventually, the, the government of China turned off the faucet. They stopped letting money come out of China into the U.S. real estate markets with some new rules they set up. And so I ended up moving into a couple of different fields. But uh, first, uh, worked in the uh, apartment complex industry a little bit, helping to raise capital to build those apartment complexes from other folks and then eventually ended up kind of in this early stage investment space because of that lion's Den event that we started. Wow. So, you know, there's that phrase that um, God doesn't
0: call the equipped, he equips the called. Uh, and that's there very much are. kind of your story of going yeah. from missions to business, although the business wasn't your natural.
1: Uh, well, yeah. And even going into the missions the first time, I mean, I'd done some ministry overseas, but to go into a culture like China, I mean, we were one of probably 30 Americans that lived in that town of 3 million people. We were completely unprepared for, you know, going into that culture. You know, the learning of that language is, is, you know, very, very difficult and, you know, and being able to communicate with people and then help them, you know, get excited about the gospel and it going forth and planning churches. It was, that in itself was a big step. And then coming to the US and, and that transition as well. It was kind of funny. Just God continuing to, like you said, equipped the called. I my my biggest struggle in the whole thing was coming back. Um, in that I had a, some moments where I thought, well, maybe we failed, or maybe we've disappointed God, and that's why he's sending us back to the States, like we didn't do our job or something, just you, your mind runs through a lot of different things, right? Like you had this vision of of a full-time ministry forever, and then suddenly it stops and you're like, well, what did I do to, you know, disappoint God that, that, that didn't continue. And then God was very generous. About a year later, I had a, a meeting in a same kind of God's generosity scenario, had a little meeting on the third floor of the building I was working out of, Um, in the hope center, it's a, it's a ministry building here in the DFW area. And, uh, a guy introduced me to another guy who's doing some cool ministry in China. And he said, you know, this guy's doing some amazing stuff in China. You should chat with him sometime. So we got together for lunch, ended up, you know, I was able to make one or two introductions for him. Um, and it blew up this online digital ministry that they were starting so that millions of people heard the gospel over the next couple of years. and again, it was all their work. I didn't do anything except for make a couple small connections. And it was, it was funny. God just kind of said, hey, by the way, in that five-minute conversation you had in the hallway, and then that, that lunch you had with that guy, I did more in leading people from China to faith than you would have done in your entire lifetime in China. So don't worry about it it was never my plan to leave you there forever. You know, I, I did more, you know, and I, I just, it was such an amazing gift for him to say that. So it was like, it's not, it was just a change of location. Like it, it wasn't that he was disappointed or anything like that. It was just, he had a different project for us to start focusing on next. Um, And so, you know, he got a chance to do some good work and we were just thankful for, for being a part of a you know a conversation
0: you know, you you have this heart for the nations, for missions you have since you were very young. You go out, you experience it, you feel like a failure because you come back. Uh, You get this moment where God says that. Um, Do you still now have that, sort of yearning to be out there yourself or have you (laughs) fully transitioned into this place where God's brought you where it's like no I see what you're doing I feel completely at home here like where are you at with that now
1: that's funny we're about 10 years back like literally this year uh, around this time it's kind of about 10 years back I was chatting with somebody about the other and it's funny we have gotten settled as Americans right like we're kind of back in the normal American lifestyle you know have a house have a white lab and you know, the kids go to, you know, gymnastics and Boy Scouts, right? Um, so our, our typical ways of life are, are more you know, culturally adapted back to the U.S. And yet we still have a real heart for the nations, for people going to, you know, different parts of the world. One of the things I've loved with the Lions Den and um, my work at Faith Driven Entrepreneur and Investor, was that a lot of the the companies we worked with, the entrepreneurs that we were part of working with were all overseas, or were a lot of them were overseas based. So this guy was just like, hey, you're not, you don't have to be there. You get to empower and and get capital for this guy who's, you know, from Kintegra, who's got this company in Uganda that's, you know, employing thousands of people that's, that's changing their lives and and his need for capital, you can help solve for him. Um, and encourage him along the way. And this company that's in China and it's solving this, you know, speech is shoving this, this issue that, that a lot of young kids face over there, that the culture didn't have a technology solution for, you know, by solving that, we get to help tens of thousands of kids, you know, because they, they get um, this training, they don't have to go into the brothels and go into like a, you know, a life of, you know, really low class work, but they have a chance to, to, you know, educate themselves and, and get a chance to, to get better jobs and stuff. So God's given us a heart for hey, through the businesses that we're working with and the conversations that we get to have um, that we can support these companies. I mean, literally just this week, I was talking to a guy that's, you know, trying to get the 25% of the Philippines that don't have power like regularly He's working on a power grid program to get the, you know, the system of, you know, like power to that part of the country and through getting power to that part of the country, they're going to be able to take the gospel, you know, out through a lot of those people. So I found that we don't have to be there, um, you know, to do his work there, um, which has been pretty, pretty cool. But it, it, it's funny. I had a guy um, in seminary, one of my professors said, hey, Bip, you really want to be the tip of the spear, right? you know, kind of be that guy that's over there kind of doing that work. And I was like, yeah, yeah, you know, you got that, you know, late, like early, late teens, early twenties kind of energy, right? Like, um, you know, the, the, I just went to a, you know, a, a G2G conference kind of energy. Like, what am I going to do next? God's called me to the nations, And he said, Hey, let me ask you one question. If God could do more through you over there from you sitting right here um, and just obeying whatever he's calling you to do, like being faithful to that. Would you do it? And it, you know your immediate thought is, okay, yes, that's the right thing to say, right? Of course, it's the seminary guy is asking you this question. And then you start thinking, and you're like, well, nah. You know, I kind of want to be there, and I feel like <laughs> if there is better, like, I don't want to like pay for somebody else's trip to Brazil, like you just got back from. I want to be in Brazil, like having that, being on the stage, talking to those people. And then, then you kind of come back and the the final realization is, you know, God's going to get his work done. I'd like him to use me to be a part of that. And so, yes, if, if here is best, what I didn't know was number one, that was his story. You know, he'd been a church planner for a few years and then God had called him back to work in seminaries to, to, to serve that next generation of church planners and to just help equip them while they were going through in their twenties so that they could serve for the next 40 years. And I also didn't think that six years later I'd be back in the States doing the same thing. But you just kind of realize like sometimes God's plan is is you being there, you know, out, you know, that that frontliner, I guess. And sometimes it's it's just being the supporter, the the person that somebody said it not too long ago. What is the um the person behind or the other person, the it was like, like there were a couple people like supporters of Billy Graham or supporters of other like right. famous mm-hmm. speakers, and that kind of thing, who were their kind of like right-hand man that helped fund and support and, and help them do a lot of their things. Um, I'm blanking on the word right now. Um, that's, we get what get, it is.
2: You know, I think one of the things that I think is a big stumbling block to people is this idea of what full-time ministry is and – you know, I said, well, if you're in, if you're in the workplace, you're in full time ministry. We're all in full time ministry, and I think this full time ministry phrase has become so elevated, and it's what people want to aspire to, that that it's just not the right interpretation of what full time ministry is. Every person is in ministry, so and then we can identify with you in what you just said about being home. You know, we've always had a heart for mission, had a heart for unreached persecuted nations. And one day somebody came to me, and Andrew and Daniela are much younger, and they said, "Um, I've got the right place for you to go. Would you like to go? And he named some unreached...
0: I think it was Nepal
2: or somewhere, yeah, Uh, would you like to go? And I came back and I said to them, right, this is it. We're going to go. This is our chance. We're going. You know, I was all fired up. And I don't remember either of them objecting. I don't know what you thought or what, but they just went along with it. And then, you know, a few days or a week later, I thought, maybe I should talk to Jesus about this. (laughs) And he gave me this choice. He said, Daphne, you can go. It wasn't, you can go. It was, yeah, you can go and do this if you like, or you can send thousands. Hmm. All right, you mean you're offering me chocolate I have to go around and hand out to everybody else and not eat myself? <laughs> <laughs> now that's <laughs> <difficult>. <laughs> You You can't be serious about this. But I have seen, you know, because our thing is to get the next generation out to complete the Great Commission, see yeah. the return of the King. That let, let us be faithful in raising them up and send, you know, going with them. And so yeah. I have seen that, and the stories that we hear coming out. But it is that moment when you find yourself not where you had quite planned to be, not yeah. where you quite dreamed to be, and then God offers you. A different option, and um, and and I mean, you know now, and and I know that I wouldn't change this other option for the other one now because you know you're yeah. fulfilled in doing what God's doing. But yeah, totally understand what you've just said. Yeah,
0: and you know, hindsight being twenty twenty, I mean, you now know your experience out in Asia yourself actually equipped you f- perfectly for what you're doing now because you understand what it's like to be out on the field and what people out there need in terms of support so you would have a unique perspective compared to someone else that maybe had all the business acumen but had never experienced what it was like to be out on the field wouldn't really quite understand some of the nuances of what's needed for people out there so you know on that whole journey the ups and downs the wrestling with am i a failure or not actually he perfectly prepared you for for what you're doing now
2: yeah, so yeah, it's
1: sorry. the dependence that you learn from living overseas, and I think you learn that in business as well. Um, like you can, you know. Sometimes though, we try to depend on our brains and try to figure out the problem instead of necessarily taking it to the Lord first. I mean, He's given us our brains to figure out the problems, and there's that, there's that kind of balance back and forth. But one of the business guys I talked to you one time said, you know, most business guys I know don't talk, like, don't pray like that. And he was kind of joking, but it was like, his, uh, I think he was kind of saying like, Hey, you know, after living overseas, like one of the things you just were kind of used to was just like, like, I can't learn this language. I can't, I can't share with these people. I'm never going to accomplish this work here unless you come in and do it. And I think sometimes in business, we're like, well, I can sell a few more widgets. You know, I don't, don't, (laughs) I'm going to say this, you get me, I don't need God's help to sell a few more widgets. Like I can just put them on the market, sell them kind of thing. And we get a little bit used to depending on ourselves instead of depending on the Lord for some things. Um, And I think there's a balance there. And I, I, you know, as I've had conversations with folks over the last kind of 15, 20 years in business, you know, it's, it's, Hey, sometimes you start to lean more towards depending on yourself and your own wisdom. And sometimes you start to lean more towards depending on God and and his wisdom. And you kind of try to you know, maybe there's, as someone said one time, it's not a tightrope you walk across. It's kind of a a, a a cavern you walk through. There's there's room on the sides, right? Um, like God's will in that. Um, so it's uh, it's been good just to kind of see people kind of wiggle with that a little bit and kind of trust. And I find that, that the Lord gives me the opportunity now. And it's just kind of push them a little bit on it. Like in the, the lion's den over the years, people said, well, why don't you have like 10 perfect companies on the stage? And I was like, well, number one. There's not, I don't know, 10 perfect companies. And then, but uh, the other thing was, we're like, hey, if I only show you 10 companies that have it perfected, like they've got their business model perfect and they've got their ministry model, what we'd call perfect, right? Like they've just locked into, you know, a security company that ministers to ex cons too, you know, or I was talking to a guy the other day that's in a staffing business that has all these people apply for jobs through his company. And then he ministers right back to them and helps them find local churches or he's trying to like work on doing that, like just good models, like of the work that they're doing. Um, I was like, then people would never think that they could get there. You know, they would always think like, this is a model that I will never achieve. Like it's, it's kind of like looking at Chick-fil-A and going, well, I'm never going to have, you know, 6,000 restaurants and be able to, to have a model that effective. And it's like, well, of course not, but you know, not tomorrow, you know, for sure. Um, but so we've always kind of showed people at different stages, some a little bit more business savvy, some a little bit more ministry focused and kind of said, Hey, the goal is to find where God is placed, like where God wants you to be. And so we've always kind of wanted to push heart posture, right? Like you find your identity in Christ, you find where God wants you to be and be faithful to that. And it may be when I've got friends that that love investing and some of them like to invest in non-Christian entrepreneurs. They don't, they don't want Christian entrepreneurs because they're like, hey, I may be the, as an investor, I've got influence in a person's life. And I may be the only Christian that they ever talk to. And they got to talk to me because I gave them money. So once a quarter, they catch up with me and tell me about how their business is going. And I ask them some other questions that most investors probably won't about their life and their relationship with their spouse and their kids and stuff. But then I've got other guys they are like, why would you ever invest in somebody that's not planning a church in the 1040 window? And so they're like, you know, you guys might you know love that type of stuff. Like it's it's church planning in the 1040 window. That's and so that what I find is most people land somewhere in between, right? Like it's the the Lord's called you to someplace in in between that. So anyway, that's a couple thoughts on on that.
2: And I think that principle of having A business that's way down the line and successful is, can I call it a failure? Or I don't call it a failure, but not as helpful. And I see this in church planting conferences, other places, or you know, there's a new model coming out for the church or something like that. And they'll show you a church that's going for it; it's all together. And I just say, why aren't they showing somebody who's three steps ahead? Because yeah. they remember where they came from, they remember what they've done, they remember what went yeah. wrong, they remember... So just show someone that's three steps ahead. And I think, too, sometimes this um, is played out in discipleship. You know, mm-hmm. well, they can't disciple someone, they are only begun. Yes, they've only begun and they know where they came from. So yeah, let's get them going. Um yeah. Another... <laughs> the- the yeah. guy that
1: mentored me just always said, You just, you always need to just be one or two steps ahead of the person that you're working with. Exactly. You know, because, like you said, because you know what it's like. You were just there. You know the challenges that they're facing. Yeah. And they may, they may find something hard enough that you, like, difficult enough, you don't know the answer to. But that's when you go find your mentor and ask them how to your right it.
2: Yeah. <laughs> it's called, um, we say to people, we don't believe in making disciples. And that gets everybody's attention. We said we believe in making disciples who make disciples. And it's Uh, that one before me, one after me. I just want to switch a little bit while we've still got time to say, to talk about this aspect of business and missions, business and ministry. And again, it's going back to this, well, I'm only in business and you're out there doing the thing. I think... Business people need a wake up call on the fact that people like us we need you you know we need you behind us we we need you cheering us on, praying for us. We can't do what we're doing without finances, and that's that's just a fact I mean we can't get out to. Taiwan or any of these places, and we've been to about 40 countries. We can't get there without money. And, yeah. um, well, and,
1: it's, and not only the money. And, yeah. and I mean, yes, yes, the, the prayer support. Yes, the monetary support. But I think one of the things, like there was a guy at our conference recently, you know, he, he's he got 200,000 people that his company worked with last year, like clients. Mm. You know, they they employed 7,000 people, helped, helped 7,000 people get jobs. But he said, I've got 193,000 people that are, our company now has a relationship with. And God's given me the heart to minister to all of them. You know, like what church in America, like what pastor in America is preaching to 193,000 people on Sunday morning? There's none of those. Like even what ministry is reaching like that many people in a single day? That Every day he has the chance. And that's one business person out of like 500 that came to the conference. Um, and so I mean, there's a lot of, of things that can happen from, you know, hiring a chaplain, you know, to be at the company, to just hear people's needs, be at their weddings and funerals and, and give them support to, you know, small moments every day of just praying for people and putting a hand on the shoulder and, you know, encouraging and, and challenging and listening to stories to, you know, much more intense discipleship or doing a Bible study with the leaders on Tuesday mornings before work starts. And even praying, you know, paying for I, one of the things I've seen in the last few years, it's the coolest thing ever. And maybe some of the folks listening in our business should do with you guys is, you know, they they actually paid for their employees to take a mission trip to go to a place like Jerusalem or something like that. Because they're like, man, we want these employees to know that we care for them yeah. and that they, you know, we want them to know that we support them and their families and, and their faith walk. So why don't we let them go on one of these mission trips instead of me taking one this year and, uh, you know, let them come back with their lives changed and spread a little bit of that around the the company. Yeah. Wow. That's a good idea.
2: Yeah. We'll we'll take some of them. (laughs) We'll take some of them. (laughs) We'll take some people. (laughs) Their lives have been changed and they would have the opportunity of changing lives out there with these business, I mean, the... um, the potential is incredible. So yeah, pass the word on, we'll we'll have them out to Israel and Jerusalem and Wherever
0: the, else they want to go. Wherever else they want to go. We've
2: done forty <laughs> nations, so we can find one that they like. No. I'll just say this is truly inspiring and it gives a whole different look at what it means to complete the Great Commission.
0: Yeah. Um I mean we have a young guy who he, he's been through a lot of our training over the, I think he's, he started our training when he was about 10, about 10 years old. And he's now <coughs> early twenties, early twenties, um, has a heart for, uh, a restricted access nation. I can't say where. very restricted, um, access, very restricted nice, access. Nice, uh, right. and we can talk to you more, uh, off the recording about it, but, um, yeah. you know, he's had a heart for this country for, for years, um, since he was a child uh, and everyone laughed at him you know he you'll never be able to do this and uh, and we've been some of the only people to stand with him and support him on this whole journey but he knew that he couldn't go there normally he had to go with some kind of business to be able to get into yeah. the country and so you know he he took him out himself out of his American church he joined a church where they spoke that language um, he Enrolled in FedEx and got trained in FedEx and learned how to be a pilot so that he could fly because he knew that was a skill that he could use to be able to fly in and out of that country. Uh, And so Uh, he's given himself all these tools in preparation for going into this nation. He's going to have to do it under the guise of business. Um, And so, you know, this may be for for a lot of people that aren't necessarily involved or or interested in missions or haven't been on missions. Uh, The idea of having to go to certain countries um, and you have to do it under business is maybe something slightly new to them. Maybe they just think you can get on a plane and and go to a lot of different countries. Um, So I think this is a really uh, useful uh, episode for people to hear this different aspect, the importance of business in missions um so yeah i want to thank you for for taking the time and, and talking to us about this I really appreciate it but maybe as we finish could you maybe just leave a word for for people maybe there are business people listening um this is a concept some of the things that you've talked about may be new to them uh, and just talk to them about why it's important for people in business to be able to uh, engage themselves in, in things like this
1: yeah, no, absolutely. And I wanted to add to it, though, Your the comment you just made made me think of, uh, my wife and I were, were on uh, Instagram or Facebook, something not too long ago, some new, something, and and saw that the, like, Passion 268 had just had a conference. You know, you guys do conferences a lot, right? Um, and, you know, one of the things I thought about was when I was a kid, I'd done that one-day conference, you know, Passion One Day. It was one of the very first ones back in, like, 2000, uh, 2003, I think. Um And we came back from the conference, and you know we're like, well, you know, what do we do next? Because we went to one of the booths, and they said, you know, do missions, and you kind of sign up. But we're like, you know, go back to our lives as, you know, uh, you know what what does that look like? And it just it made me think of with your G to G folks, like after they come to one of the conferences, I wrote up something this past time, and I was like, you know, one, like get up tomorrow, read your Bible, like just just what do you do when you go home? Get up, read your Bible. Do some form of exercise and eat something healthy. If you do those three things for the next 70 years, you'll be in a much better place than the average American, and especially the average American Christian, right? Um, I mean, just Bible knowledge itself. But even like, you know, engaging in their school and career, like for those folks who are going, you know, getting involved in their local church, like actively involved in doing it, um, you know, finding something that they're passionate about. Um, and then finding three to seven friends that they'd be willing to kind of, you know, dig a little bit deeper into one of those passions with, um, and then just start giving from an early age, because if they can start doing those like six or seven things over you know, the next like couple of weeks after coming out of one of those conferences, or even after listening to the, the message today, you know, it, it, it's amazing. We think, so I've got to go do this next huge step. And what really you need to do is get up tomorrow morning and spend time with Jesus and then just do some exercise, eat a healthy meal, stay active in your church. As one of our guys say, it's the, you know, we always think about that big milestone moment, but it's really the Tuesday mornings, just your average Tuesday and the work that God does through you on that day that impacts a lot more about who you are, um, than that one milestone kind of moment. Um, so anyway, sorry, that I couldn't help it. But no, when you're good. thinking about the conference and the, the thing, I was like, people just listen to something like this. And they're like, what do I do? Um, as for business people, you know, one thing that's amazing is, you know, 10 years ago, there weren't as many organizations out there, um, especially those focused on entrepreneurship as there are today. Uh, but there's a lot of great orgs from uh, FCCI, FCCI.org to CBMC.org. Um, you know, there's peer um peer groups for business owners like C12 and convene, uh, that are kind of designed around monthly get togethers with other business people to kind of help encourage and challenge one another. Um, so I mean, those kind of things can really help, you know, faith driven entrepreneur, faith driven investors speak a lot about, they have community groups and, and different kinds of things to encourage that business person to, to walk with the Lord, uh, to really seek that right heart posture and then consider what does it look like to do ministry and word and ministry and deed you know, in and through your business. Um, And, you know, I think one of the big things is just if your church isn't talking about it yet, don't, don't give up. Like a lot of people go back to church and they'll be like, oh, you know, the pastor hasn't said anything about this in 20 years. Well, they probably didn't preach every Sunday about giving, but they sure do want you to keep tithing. You know, like, you know, the, you know, so it's, it's one of those kind of things where, you know, keep turning to that good content that's out there and, and walk, find other business people that are out there that are walking with the Lord to, to be faithful in it. Um, you know, in C12 put out a document not too long ago, it was like 150 ideas you can put into play tomorrow at your company, you know, from, from tweaking your core values to, you know, to, to taking your employees on a mission trip to starting a, a small, you know, um, fund just to support, you know, people that work for you when they run out of rent money each month, you know, once, you know, once in a while or something like that, or have a a family, you know, you know, funeral or something like that, that they have to pay for. And they just don't have the affordable. Uh, Recently, in particular, we were talking to a group that realized of the the majority of these bigger companies, like 10,000, 15,000, 100,000 employees, a lot of those businesses were starting to give significant money to SRG, like, or ESG, like those uh, environmental, you know, just different types of like, um, you know, things that that help uh, the world kind of grow and, and empower people and that sort of thing. But they realized, you know, you give a hundred million dollars to, you know, this, this work, but your own employees sometime don't have food to put on their table for their families or their, your own employees are struggling with their kids you know, getting in fights at school. And so a lot of times we encourage like employers, especially ones of significant uh, numbers of people, like look back at the opportunity you have to administer to your own people and consider what can be done there. Because um, typically there's a lot more hurt uh, than you realize. And it really just takes all uh, listening to her, like just starting by asking and, and listening to some of the needs of the people um, to find out what, what really is going on and what the needs really are. That's a great place to start. Wow,
0: Vit! Thank you. Uh, really appreciate. It. It's it been really interesting. Um,
1: thank you so much. Really appreciate you taking the time.
2: Yes, thank you so much.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Excited to keep the conversation going, and and more than willing to you know uh, to have you know further uh, further conversation. But appreciate the time today. Excited about the work you guys are doing, and talking to people about the next generation. So keep praying for thank us. You. Need thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode.
0: Remember if it inspired you, share it with others so we can see more people engaged in this community.